0: Hi, this is Lindy Kaiser, Senior Editor of ClearanceJobs.com. We recently had the opportunity to interview Melissa Chapman, former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Health and Human Services and now Vice President of Health Business Development at Salient CRGT. Melissa shared her expertise on the powerful pairing of healthcare and data analytics. My title
1: is Vice President for Health Business Development, Salient CRGT. My job is really helping the company help our healthcare clients to to maximize their goals and to meet their mission. And the way that I participate in that is by doing business development and partial solutioning for all the opportunities that we propose uh, to the government. So for example, we do a lot of work for the Department of Health and Human Services, the VA, and Defense Health. And a lot of our success has been in helping them to integrate their technology solutions into their health mission. So whether it's helping develop solutions for a US-wide, network that supports VA Vista, which is VA's electronic health record, or whether it's developing applications in the VA to promote their ability to review drugs faster. We simply provide a wide variety of technology, but it's integrated to helping support their healthcare mission. And, and my role is I sort of sit between the healthcare client and our technology professional.
0: So you kind of mentioned the role of electronic records in the government it's something we've heard about for years, certainly as a, I'll say, speak as a patient, I've seen it kind of in action in my in my healthcare, how we've gone from kind of a paper system to electronic health records over the past few years. Can you maybe speak a little bit more to how government is using these health records? Maybe some of the relationships you have with government, how industry is helping government address this big issue of electronic health records?
1: One thing to keep in mind is that electronic health records have been around longer than we might think or recall. In healthcare research, electronic health records actually go back to the 1970s. Uh, the Street Institute, for instance, had developed a very uh, primitive electronic health record to help with the research they were doing. And then certainly uh, the VA established VISTA or an earlier version of VISTA uh, somewhere in the early 80s. So it's not as new as we might think, but it it was somewhat isolated. And and then in the early 2000s, electronic health record really became a federal priority with the focus on health care under the Bush administration, the, the George Bush administration, setting a goal for all Americans to have an EHR within 10 years, which would have been 2014 or so. That history of developing an electronic health record as we know it today has been a long time coming, and there have been a lot of different attempts to get it right. Uh, Where the federal government helped a lot is when HHS led the establishment of national data standards and uh, conducting a series of use case scenarios to make sure that we could issue not just data standards, but a use standard to really facilitate the collection of data at the point of care, which is really what the electronic health record is. And with those standards, that really started uh, to increase adoption rates for electronic health record. In addition to that, when the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Service provided financial incentives uh, for physicians to uh, adopt electronic health record and gave them a couple of years to do that, that further helped to round out adoption rates around the country. So now, as you mentioned at the opening, most of us have experienced some form of electronic health record, uh, either at our general practitioner or even at the dentist. They have their own type of electronic health record, but it's certainly much more prevalent. Uh, these days. And that's led to, to even better news, which is now that people have an electronic health record and it's being used to improve quality at point of care, we can actually aggregate all of that data and, and learn from it. So there's really two different uses. One is that provider-on-patient experience where electronic health record and the information behind it helps to improve care. But now researchers across a variety of disciplines can explore that data, group it with other kinds of data to develop new best practices, whether it's figuring out how to combine it with environmental data or exposure data so that we understand disease prevalence better or combining it with social media data and other personal data as the VA does to help understand and assess behavioral health in a better way. And we even have some research in the government at NIH combining children's school performance data and nutrition data with electronic health records so that we can improve uh, pediatric practice. So there's really a wide variety of research going on in the government, uh, and not just in the the places you think of as having a health mission like the National Institutes of Health or, or Centers for Medicare and Medicaid, but even at EPA, Department of Energy, even at Homeland Security, where you think of, of national security being obviously their core mission, um, but they use electronic health data part of their early detection of a potential man-made bio threat. So it really has a very wide application now that adoption rates are so high.
0: You bring up some amazing points that I hadn't thought about as far as even, yeah, the childhood nutrition and combining that with health records. And obviously there's huge potential here, but then the data security secret squirrel in me starts to think about the issue of both privacy and then data security around these records. How are they addressing, Mm -hmm. if you have an electronic health record, What are the criteria for maybe sharing that record? How is data security just applied to this process?
1: As in any discipline or area uh, of information protection, whether it's your financial data, you know, your credit card data, how much money you make, your bank data, or whether it's national security information, things that are critical to protecting the country, health has its own unique security needs as well. And there are two sides to the security coin, if you will. You know, one side is the security that's required to protect individual privacy. You know, that's obviously extremely personal information, and you want to make sure that only the people that you as a patient authorized to have access can actually get access to that data. So all the usual data security requirements and technical solutions for cyber are expected around health data. The other side of that coin is You need to provide access to your health information in order to get the best care that you can, even to get that care paid for. So out of the box, almost without thinking about it, all of us give entire health practices, entire hospitals permission to see our information. So that may be in any given uh, clinic or hospital, anywhere from 10 people to 100 people. And, and we give permission for entire health insurance companies to have access to our information to facilitate payment. So so it's an interesting paradox that while we, especially as American citizens, insist, and rightly so, on personal protection, privacy regarding that information, we also have to make sure that the right people can access it in order to help us. And there's even a, a parallel, again, with national security around health data. you know Any individual piece of information from my health data, I could give you, for example, if I only gave you my temperature, you can't do much with that. If I only gave you the street on which I live, you can't do that very much with that. But just like national security, if I'm able to combine information about you from a variety of places that where it might seem only an innocuous amount of information is available. Suddenly I have a critical mass of information that does give me unwarranted insight into your personal health situation and because of how we link health data to other information, financial information, information about where you live, information about relatives, suddenly by releasing one piece of data at a time, we've actually compromised our privacy and compromised the security around information. It's a very complex functional issue when it comes to what is the right level of security for health data and a complex technical issue when you think about the need to ensure appropriate security, even at the data element level.
0: Is that something industry is working on with government then to kind of to create solutions for that problem of the unique data security within these electronic health records?
1: Yes, there's a tremendous amount of investment on the part of the, the U.S. government and to cyber in general, as everyone knows, and but also that includes into how we secure health information. Again, I'll mention it's this paradox of we wanna have access to as much health data as we can so that we can learn from it, but at the same time protect that data at the individual patient level. And it's not just thinking about how physicians and healthcare providers need solutions to protect that data, but where that data goes from there. You may have an electronic health record that's perfectly secure at your oncologist's office. But if that oncologist is participating in a federal study and you may have signed a piece of paper saying that a certain amount of your information should be made available to that study, then the, the protection of that information goes beyond your provider and onto NIH or FDA or the National Science Foundation. So the, the government agencies accessing this data take it very seriously. They, they do not want to be in a position of having compromised anyone personally, but they definitely need that information to continue to build the knowledge base. You don't see a single federal acquisition with regard to healthcare data that doesn't include a significant and detailed description of the security requirement associated with the work.
0: That makes me feel a lot better. Because I'm, I'm having <laughs> flashbacks to OPM and China having my college drug record, you know, already. So I think as, you know, as a security clearance holder, you hear about this stuff and you think about the applications and your first thing goes to, the IT security aspect, and again, I just have never really thought through hearing about all this, what the cyber element is. So it's good to know that as the government is making these procurements and as they're developing these solutions, that cyber and IT is a big piece of that. And yeah, it's so, a
1: big commitment. As you mentioned, there, there are unfortunate mistakes, but the, the commitment and the, the detail in how Companies like Salience, C O G T and others deliver cybersecurity to maximize that that protection is is in every project.
0: You kinda spoke to this already. What are some of the ways that citizens do benefit from the government work that they're doing in these big data solutions?
1: Intuitively, there's a sense that the citizens, you know, all of us certainly benefit From big research. We know, for instance, you might see on the evening news an announcement that the National Institutes of Health has made a breakthrough in treating a certain condition or a certain disease. So so you see a lot of of that benefit. Where it's less obvious is in in critical personal situations. For example, if a patient has heart attack symptoms and, and you go to the emergency room, the way that you are treated in that first hour is actually from best practices that Health and Human Services have determined from research, especially ARC, the Agency for healthcare research and quality they play a critical role in helping to discern and publish new protocols and at one time what we were learning from health records and health data across the country even when we would determine through research a new best practice such as giving a beta blocker to a patient in an ER it would take 17 years often for those best practices to actually be fully realized at your local hospital. With electronic health record and and the onset of health information technology, that time is rapidly shrinking. So one big benefit is in critical health situations, life or death situations, where new best protocols are being derived from this massive health data research that the government is doing. And that information can more quickly be pushed to real care, to what you experience locally as a patient.
0: What are some of your thoughts on the kinds of health IT workers that are needed to best serve clients? And are there specific skills that you're leveraging? Our approach uh, at
1: CRGT to looking at health IT workers, it, it sort of comes out of thinking about how do you merge these two very scientific and technical disciplines. You know, you certainly don't want your doctor fixing your computer or your Java developer stitching a wound, right? But together, those disciplines know a lot about how to optimize the use of technology in healthcare. So our approach has been to demonstrate an appreciation, even a strong respect for the the mission of our clients by incorporating professionally trained clinicians, epidemiologists, healthcare regulatory experts, people with experience in specific disciplines, integrating them with our technology professionals. For instance, if we're developing a, a data analytics application for clinical research at the NIH, We bring our best and brightest around modern master data management techniques, modern latent semantic indexing methodologies for the data analytics. Wrapped around that and blended into it is a a keen sense of what someone at NIH would want to do with those tools. We don't want to waste the time of our NIH client in explaining their job to us. We like to bring someone to the table who already understands in large part, what that job is. So we're pre-packaging our solutions with that healthcare domain in mind. And then our clients, again, for example, at NIH or at FDA, they can then take it the last yard by telling us more specifically what they need. We need that information from them we wouldn't attempt to, to presuppose that, but it, it certainly shrinks the time it takes to improve what an NIH uh, researcher is doing, what an FDA regulatory professional is trying to do by presenting solutions that are 80% of the way there. I, I will also just add as an aside, a, a shout out to nurses. Nurses tend to be often the best health IT workers. Around. And I think it may be because the, the nature of nursing requires you to be a, a jack of all trades. You know, you have the, the clinical knowledge and clinical capability that nurses demonstrate, but they are also often the individuals who are populating the electronic health record, who are routing your information electronically to your healthcare insurance provider to make sure that you're covered. They are reaching out to a lab. That might be in another state to ensure that the the sample they just took from you is being shipped quickly and that they get a response quickly. So I suspect that's why nurses are frequently some of the best health IT workers around.
0: Kind of an interesting point that you make too. I know every time we kind of write about the cybersecurity job title on the site, we always get some minor level of pushback from IT professionals who are like, everybody works in cybersecurity. If you work in IT, you work in cybersecurity. And kind of this conversation brings about. If you work in the healthcare industry now and you have access to all of this patient data, you've always kind of worked in security to some extent. I mean, you know, you have to, you have patient security, physical security has always been an issue in hospitals. So cybersecurity mm-hmm. now is just one more element of really overall patient care. And since nurses are mm-hmm. so good at that already, now they're just incorporating the aspect of, you know, data security, privacy, along with those health and medical records.
1: Yes, and you can imagine in, in cybersecurity the the ultimate goal is to be able to automate and operate just like an ideal doctor or nurse does with your information. As a human being, those professionals can intuit what information to provide about you to a colleague, to the the person testing your blood to the person who is responsible for making sure you get the right food in the hospital and not something that you're not supposed to have. But we're in cyber trying to recreate that decision-making process around what to protect and what to share at an automated level. That's a tremendous challenge for cyber.
0: And then not to bring this great conversation down by talking about legislation, but it was an interesting point to talk about um, how electronic health record data could be used to design new health legislation or to evaluate existing legislation? How can you speak to that at all? It's a
1: little bit akin to the way that electronic health record data is being used in clinical research. This sense of being able to aggregate a tremendous amount of information and then mine that information through analytics and other tools for new information. But what's the next step or what's additionally challenging for using this information for legislation is that part of the job of generating new regulation or new legislation is tapping into how health is impacted by the variety of external but controllable drivers. So if you're considering legislation about what chemicals, can or cannot be released into the environment, or information about what should be on food labels, or legislation that drives how we pay for care. It's this look at, well, what can we as good legislatures do to have a positive impact on what we control? But we can't control health itself. So it, it's an unusual position to be in, I think, to, to have the responsibility to access all this rich, robust healthcare data, but then use it to decide how do we really want to manage the things that we can tap into. It's much like the arguments that have historically surrounded cigarettes or sugar or other things that as American citizens, we have access to despite the fact that it may not be uh, the best thing for our health. So I think regulation and legislation that impacts healthcare is, is very challenging, and that's why it's so controversial. But it can't hurt to have as much information available as possible, and not only for legislators, but for us as voters and citizens, so that we can have access to the same new knowledge and make decisions at a personal level about what we think is appropriate.
0: You know, anything you wanted to bring up about kind of the work Salient CRGT is doing in this space or plans to do? I will share that some of the the
1: interesting work that we're doing when you look across the the healthcare spectrum is the work that we do in helping agencies publish their information. For example, we're very privileged to be uh, one of the contractors that helps make FDA.gov work, the website for the Food and Drug Administration. Uh, that's a very complex and rich website of information that's tailored for patients, for professional healthcare providers, and for the pharmaceutical and biotech and device industry. So you're talking about an incredibly wide demographic of people that we support through what we do at the applications development level, the hosting services, and the cybersecurity required to do a good job for FDA.gov. Similarly, we support the U.S.-wide VA uh, network. So this is the network on which electronic health record data rides. So that's a huge responsibility to ensure that every day, 24 hours a day, that data that's going all over the place, aggregated, split up, one element at a time, 20 elements at a time over a a secure network is is something that we're very proud to support and and enjoy the privilege of supporting the
0: VA. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Security Clearance Podcast. Please visit news.clearancejobs.com for more security clearance news, insights, and information. Have a great day.